Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. I, I, I'm one of these people that as I'm, I'm worshipping, I, I get thoughts and so I write down bits of thoughts on, on a bit of paper as I worship because as I worship, God says things to me. I don't know if you're the same. And if I don't write it down, I forget it. Um, Claire will give me a hard time, but my memory isn't all that good. And it comes to your advantage sometimes, guys. Uh, so I write things down. You know, and, and we were singing this morning and we are saying, this is living, thank God. The battle belongs to the Lord. We raise a hallelujah. All of that's done. But in our, our lives, we want freedom. But so many of us hang on to stuff that we shouldn't hang on to. And it's really, we say, God, come and do it for me. But really, he's asking, will you give it to me? And I think this morning, for me, that's what he's saying to me. God, are you willing to give me it this morning? Are we willing to give him everything? To take a step into the unknown, somewhere we haven't been before, and trust and believe in him that he's going to meet you there and he's going to do something spectacular in your life. Because that's what happens. That's what happens. We're going to speed on, on missions this morning. Um, I was listening to some words of wisdom during the week. And one word of wisdom that this, this person said, he said, there's a fine line between a long, drawn-out sermon and a hostage situation. <laughs> and I thought, gee, that's really positive. <laughs> so I pray I'm not holding you hostage this morning. I pray you're going to lean in. You're not going to take this as your penance this morning that I paid my penance, God, and now I'm good for the week. But this is something good for all of us, for me as well. I don't want you to be hostages. Can we be free this morning? Can this, as I'm speaking, if you agree with me, you can say you agree with me. If you don't agree with me, well, you can still say you don't agree with me. I'd, I'd like us to be real. You know, we do church, and we, we do church about what we've always done, and we, we get stuck in this liturgy of what we do, which is fantastic. But can we be a bit freer this morning? I'd encourage you, you know, if, as, as our praise and worship, we probably should have said this in the beginning of the service. If you want to cry, you can cry. If you want to laugh, you can laugh. You can do whatever you want. I just pray that God, you build a connection with God through our service. And after coming into this house, when you leave, you feel more connected with, with our Savior. That's the whole purpose of doing Sunday. So last week, Claire brought a fantastic word around the Holy Spirit. And she spoke it, and she did this bit of a journey through the, through the Bible, how in the very beginning, how God was brooding, brooding over the earth, and the very breath of God was in the beginning. And she brought, situ- she brought the, the stories through the Bible, how the breath of God was, was in the different situations as people walked their walks. And at the end, how the Holy Spirit came and he breathed his breath upon them. And I believe he still breathes his breath upon us today, by the way. Each and every one of us, whether you feel it or not, his breath is in you. And the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. You've given your life to God. God's Spirit lives inside of you. And I'd like to leave, lead us to a bit of a story too this morning. Because I look back and there's, a, there's this law in the Bible called the law of first mention. And the law of first mention is very, very important because it's where God sets up a principle. And this law of first mention, Claire brought it up last week, how God breathed. Simple thought. But when he breathes, the first mention is very, very important. And you always go back to the law of first mention to see what God really meant. And after that, he'll do it again and he'll do it again and he'll do it again and he'll do it again. 
So I'd like to bring a few of those this morning. But if we're going to talk about missions, our mission can change slightly as, as we go through our life. And it can, can change slightly in the natural and in, and in the spiritual side, but in the natural. Have you noticed that, that your mission changes when, there's a, when you're a baby? When you start off as a baby, your mission in life is to eat, it's to poop, and it's to sleep. That, that's, that's your mission in life. And really, it, it comes down to soaking up as much love as we can. And it's great, I can see Eddie down there soaking up love. But really, when it, when it comes down to it, as, as a baby, it's getting what we want. It's getting what we want. And as a young child, it's to have fun. The world's your oyster. You have no cares in the world. But it's just to have fun. But out of that fun, it really comes down to, to get what we want. And as a teenager, and if you've had teenagers, there's teenagers here. I'm not going to look at anybody. The mission is to, is to challenge the status quo, to find out what you believe. And, and, and I don't know what you like as a teenager, but my mission was probably to push the boundaries as much as I could. No fear, no worry about the consequences, but when push comes to shove, it's to get what we want. And then we, then we become older and we get wiser and we take on responsibilities. We have, we have finances, we have a family, we have kids, we have all this sort of thing. But can I ask you the question, is your same mission in life to get what you want? Because so many of us carry that mission through and we never learn. When we have, when we have a, an appointment with our God and we say that we've, we're saved and we say we're going to give our lives to God, does it change? Well, we're not a baby anymore. We're not a young child anymore. We're not a teenager anymore, but we're growing up. And when we're growing up, can we say that from the very start that, God, I'm going to actually give you some of my life? My mission is not for me anymore. It's not a mission to get what I want. It's God, it's a mission to do what you want. I blow it all the time. We all do. We all get it wrong and we're all selfish and we all do the wrong thing. But when we stop, can we have those moments where, God, I'm giving you my life. My mission is now for you. It's not to get what I want. It's to God to give you what you want. It's me. It's you. Do you know you're the apple of his eye? Each and every one of you, as he looks down on you, the apple of his eye, and he wants to spend time with you. He wants to put good things in you. He wants to, you to be successful. But he also longs for a relationship in God because you've given so much to me. God, I want to give you something back. My mission, to live a life on mission. So can I start in Genesis 1.31 for the law of first mention? And in Genesis 1.31, it says, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. The earth started out very good in God's eyes, but then it was corrupted. And from this law of first mention where, where he says, first time he says that everything was very, very good. And because he said it was very, very good, we know that that's what he wanted to happen. And because it's, it's what, it's wanted, what he wanted to happen, his mission is to get it back to something that's very, 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 very good. And because it's God's mission, then it should be our mission. Are we on mission to line ourselves with what God wants, this law of first mention that was very, very good. Let's not just wait for the rapture, if you believe in the rapture. 
Let's just not wait till the rapture or I'm going to take him up to him in the skies and see him face to face if we believe in that. Let's not wait till the end of time when God comes back to redeem all humanity, but let's make this world where we are right now, here now, very, very good. See, Adam's mission in Genesis 1, 27 and 28 was, and it says in 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God blessed them. And he does the same now. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Wool over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Be fruitful and increase in number. We can do that physically, but I believe we can do that spiritually in our own lives. The same thing that he said to Adam in the very beginning, he's talking to us now. Will you increase? Will you go on mission and will you increase? Not just sit at home and do nothing, but will you increase? This is God's mission. And our mission should be to align ourselves with what God is doing in the world. So God's mission. And if we look from a church perspective, God's mission is not primarily about getting people more involved in what churches are doing, but getting churches, which is us, more involved in what God is doing in the world. Are we going to get involved with what God wants to do and what God is doing in the world? Not just sit in here and have a great service, but what we took this morning, and I loved our praise and worship this morning, but can we take that in the world with us to change the world? See, James says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. And he does not change. He does not change. He gave his best for us. He wants the best for, and he wants the best for you. Because everything good comes from God. And when we align ourselves with God, with what he wants us to do, then we align ourselves with something that is good and is going to bring good to our lives as we trust him. God's mission is to save us in the world. Jesus' mission. And I love this point that Jesus turns up at the synagogue one day. He opens up the scroll and he starts to read. And he says, and this is what it says in Luke 8, verses, Luke 4, verses 18 to 21. As was the custom, Jesus stands in the synagogue and reads the Bible. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What would we have said if we were there that day? Wouldn't that have been amazing? That would have been phenomenal. He came and he came to bring good news. He came to bring freedom. And he came to bring sight, not just physical, but sight that we might see something spiritual. Have we thought and, and, and that when we look at the world and what we see isn't really what we should be seeing. What we see is through our, our eyes. And I wonder what would happen if we had spiritual eyes to see what was really going on in the world. How would our missions change? How would our focus change in what we're doing? I wonder if we saw earth and people and situations like Jesus saw them. I wonder how our life would change and what we would do. 
So Jesus' mission. The thief comes only except to steal, to kill and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and they may, we may have it more abundantly. Jesus fulfilled his mission. He knew his calling. He ran his race. Our mission. When we give our lives to God, do you realize you are all on mission? Whether you want to or not. You know, that we were in the enemy's camp. And when we gave our lives to Jesus, it's like you took a red flag and you put it up and so that everyone can see that I'm now a Christian. That means all the hosts of heaven can see you're a Christian and they celebrate with you. But the trouble is, I believe we have an enemy who can see this flag as well. And each and every one of us, whether we like it or not, we are on a mission. We're in a battle. And we've got someone who wants to destroy us and we've got someone who wants to build us up. And even if we sit down and do nothing, I believe he'll probably let us sit down and do nothing and leave us there because we're not, we're not too much of a um, threat for him. But when we put our hands up, have you ever done that before? Have you done something for God and you feel fantastic and the next week something bad goes wrong? And the thought goes through your head, God, I did it for you. God, will you do it for me? And I'm not saying that happens all the time because seasons come and seasons go and you can have seasons where God just moves in your life and the goodness of God is all over you for months and months and months. But when we come to that time where things go wrong, can we realize that, hey, we're on mission. We're on mission. And, and, and if we're on mission, then that flag is up and the enemy's going to see us and he's going to try and do something against us. And this is why it's important to stay close to God, to stay strong in God, to believe in him and to follow him. Because when things go wrong, we have a choice, a few choices. We can back off and we can believe what he's saying and it leaves us to somewhere we never wanted to be. Or we can make the choice to stand up against it and to say, no, that is not me, that is not who I am, that is not what I'm going to be. And it, it might be a battle, but it'll lead you to somewhere that is really, really good. First mission. If we want to live our lives holy and solely God, for God, then it says in Matthew 12, 29 to 31, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. From John 13, it says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Because he has given us authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm us if we stay close to him. See, just as that law of first, first mention God gave Adam and Eve delegated authority to rule over the earth at that time. And do you realize that he's given you and me delegated authority to rule over the earth at this time? Um, but what are we going to do with it? I, I, I look at the, how many people are here, 60, 70, 80, 90, I don't know. Can you imagine what this workplace would be like if we all knew our authority in Jesus? If we all knew who we really were in Jesus and we stood up for who we were in Jesus? Could you imagine what this place would be like? Nothing would stand against us. If we were in unity and we knew who we were and we were walking in the calling that God gave us and the mission that he meant for us, can you imagine what this place would be like? 
Can you imagine the people who walk into this house? They would walk in this place bound and they will walk out free. We'd be discipling them during the week and they would, they would be renewing their mind day by day. They'd be progressing in God. We would be progressing in God. And this thing that dogs us week after week after month after month after year after year would have no hold on us because we're free in Jesus. Do you know who you are in God? I look at myself in the mirror and I think, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can you imagine what you look like if you looked in God's mirror, what you would look like? Because we reflect who he is. Can you imagine what that's like? I'm not saying we should puff ourselves up. But can you imagine who you are? You reflect the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's who you are. That's the authority that you carry. But will you stand up in the authority that he's given you and take the ground that he was always meant you to take? You know, if we're going to take ground, when Jesus left the earth, he said in Acts 1.8, he said, but you will receive power. And he says you will have, and I've lost the scripture. It is there and I haven't got that. Why haven't I got it? <laughs> but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, note Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I thought, what is Jerusalem to us? Are we going to be witnesses in Jerusalem? And Jerusalem, I felt for them and for us, represents our primary city of responsibility. It was their spiritual home. Jerusalem was the place where they came to meet with God. So are we going to take up the mission that we have? And are we going to go to Jerusalem first? Are we going to go on mission for our family? Are we going to go on mission for our friends? Are we going to go on mission for our workmates? Are we going to go on mission and use our finances well, our time well? In Jerusalem, it's, their first, it's our first mission field. But can I say, most, most of us sit and we do Jerusalem reasonably well because we want God to, to be in our lives. But then in Judea, we meant to go to Judea. And Judea represents our primary region of responsibility. Are we going to take God to our city? Are we going to have a city focus? Where we're going to do something in our city for God, in our sphere of influence? Gee, it might just be making a cake and taking it to your neighbor as part of your city. It might just be noticing the friend down the road is, is, hasn't been out of the house for a while, knocking on the door and saying, are you all right? But what is our focus then into Samaria, and Samaria, if you know the story about the Samaritans, the Jews hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hated the Jews. They thought the Samaritans were dogs, and yet here they're getting told to go to Samaria, to go to this people group that they just don't fit. When was the last time we went and, and, and went to a people group that we didn't really fit in with? We got out of our comfort zone and we went to, to see a group of people that, that aren't the same as us. Maybe they've got a different ethnic culture. Maybe they've got a different financial place than us. Maybe we're doing very, very well and we find it really easy to, to go out in the 100-foot launch with our mates and we fit in really well. That's a great mission field. But when was the last time we went to a different ethnic group that we don't really fit? 
When was the last time we got out of our comfort zone and did something that, that we don't really fit with? When was the last time we challenged our culture, not just lived in the cultural part of society that we fit and we're really comfortable in, but got out of our comfort zone and hopped into a culture that we're not really comfortable in, put ourselves out there for God? When was the last time we went to the ends of the earth? Our global responsibility. I remember when we were young and we had four kids and we weren't very financial at all. But we took on a sponsor child. And we had sponsor child, I don't know how many children we had. We had a few over the years. And we'd sponsor them from the age of, I don't know, four, five, six, eight, whatever it was, up to the age of 16 or wherever it was. And then the sponsorship fell off because they were old enough to supposedly support themselves. And we put, I don't know how many kids through that over, over the years. And we had, took on our global responsibilities. So don't say, just because I can't go overseas, I can't do something. We can all do something. All of us can do something. Even with a little meager we've got, we can do something. So can we take our responsibility as, as Christians, a follower of Jesus, into Jerusalem for our family, into Judea, which is our city, into Samaria, which is a cultural group that we don't really fit. We walk down the road and we find someone who smells really, really bad. And we walk around them because they smell a bit bad. As you're walking up to this person, maybe you should be saying, hey God, do you want me to say something to this person? There's five bucks in my pocket, I could give this person five bucks. And then the ends of the earth. And Stevie's coming up at the end of the, this, this morning to talk about missions. And as a church, we're, we're really, really involved in missions. And I'd love it if we all got involved in missions. It's exciting. You know, Matthew 28, 19 to 20, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Spirit, Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know, there's a man called William Carey. And this man was, and I think we've got a photo of him. His dad was a farmer, and he was not strong enough to, to, to man the farm. And he was, what they say, the father of early missions. Because he wasn't strong enough to work in the farm, he became a shoemaker. And while he was making shoes, this, this man had a, such a passion for God. And while he was making shoes, he studied Greek and he learned Greek. He studied Hebrew and he learned Hebrew. And then he went out to the small villages and he started speaking to the small villages. And he won many for Christ and he started up multiple churches and multiple small villages. And then he ended up with quite a thriving church of his own. This man had a missions heart and he heard about India and he heard about what was going on in India and he felt a pull to India. So he took up his family and I think he had seven kids, one wife, which is enough. And he went to India. And it wasn't like India now where we hop on a plane and just fly over there and fly back on a ship for multiple months sailing to India. And when he gets to India, he hits cultural shock coming from where he was to, to, to India. And when he hits India, he, he finds that the culture is just so foreign to him that, that he, he can't soak it in. And he, he finds out that they're practicing
what they call sate. Is it sate? Sati. And the practice of sati is if the man dies, the woman, he's burnt. And so the woman has to get burnt with the man. And so whether she's alive or dead, she still gets burnt with the man. And the custom was so, much, so entrenched in, in the, the culture that while they were burning the man, the woman would actually jump on top, most of the women would jump on top and allow themselves to be burnt. But numerous times the woman didn't want to be burnt. So the villagers would throw them on anyway. The culture of the day, and he was shocked by the culture of the day. And he took on him the personal ambition to get rid of this, this off the country. 35 years it took him until the English took over the, the nation and they banned sati, sati forever. I think that's what you say, is that right Stevie? Sati? This man made a change for God. He lived for 35 years in India. It took him six years for his first convert, who was a Hindu, when he baptized. By the time of 35 years, he'd lost three children for sick because of sickness in India. But when he died, there were th- not many brow standards, but 30 missionaries throughout India, 45 teachers and, appro- and approximately 600 church members. He had planted churches through many places and started up a Bible college. Much like Highway with Pastor Byron in India. But can I challenge you? This man, when he was in Jerusalem in his hometown, he started churches. In his own family, he was strong. It was his mission field. Then he goes to India and he challenges the culture in India. He went to India. He went to the ends of the earth. A man who fulfilled the promise, the call of God in Acts. We all love Acts because it's an empowering of the Holy Spirit and we all want the Holy Spirit to fall. But do we want the rest of the promise to take on this mission emphasis which was the Holy Spirit was poured out for in the very beginning? Not so we'd sit here, but so we'd go and we'd take the world for him. I think about Paul, the Apostle Paul. In Acts 26, verses 19 to 20, he stands before King Agrippa and he says, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus. Can you remember where he was saved on the Damascus road? Where he had, a, he had an appointment with God and, and, and God revealed himself in a light to him and spoke to him physically on the Damascus road. So first he preached in Damascus. Then to those in Jerusalem, to, to his city. Then to all to Judea, the culture he knew. And then the Gentiles, the culture he didn't know. I preach that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. See, Damascus was his spiritual home once again. Jerusalem, the city he loved. Judea was the Jews, the cultural family he knew. And the Gentiles was the cultural family he didn't know. This is a man, the very first journey he went on, Paul traveled 1,400 miles no boats, no planes, no automobiles, or no powered boats. On his second journey, 2,800 miles. On his third journey, 2,700 miles. Over the course of 35 years, it is estimated that Paul traveled 13,000 miles, which is equivalent to halfway around the world. He took on the call of God. He took on an Acts 1.8. He lived it out. Can I encourage us? Can I challenge us? that that can be us, that can be you and me. I look at Errol and Anne, and they're back here this morning. Great to have you back, Errol and Anne, by the way. 
fantastic. But they go and look after people's houses out, out west. And I can't help but think they're going out west while they're looking after people's houses and they're sent on mission. Knowingly or not, I believe you two are sent on mission when you go out there. And you're going to make it, you'd make a difference in people's lives just by going out there. See, a church without a mission is a mission field. So can I ask, what is the gap between us being more mission-focused? What is the gap between actually going out and buying? The team can come up now. Be good. What is the gap between being more mission-focused for us? Is it faith? Is it do we actually believe we're called? Do we actually believe we've got something to say? And I'm preaching to the converted here, I believe. But can I ask you and challenge you this morning? Can we expand what we do? Can we put ourselves in an uncomfortable place where God's going to turn up and do something in our lives? Because so many of us live our Christian walk, never challenge ourselves, and we find ourselves in a place where, God, are you really real or you're not real? Because we've walked it on our own and we've left God behind. Can we put God at the front? Where we have to step, when we step out, He has to be there for us. He has to be there for us, otherwise, we're going to fail and we're going to fall. I believe that's missions. And I believe many of us never realize how much we need God until we go on mission. Can I challenge us this morning to step out of our Jerusalem, to step out and as as Star Trek says, to go where no man has gone before. <laughs> to check out strange new worlds. To find ourselves in a place we don't know about. To find ourselves in a place where God's got to turn up. Do you love it when you're in those situations? I love it. I love it when, when I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm scared, I'm honestly scared. And yet when I step out, God turns up. And in my little, He does a lot. So can I challenge us this morning for the little? How much little have we got? And how much little have we got that when we use our little, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a huge amount in His kingdom. So God, I pray for us this morning. And God, the challenge is, is for me probably I'm speaking to myself through this message Lord God will you open up doors for us God Lord will, will you enable us God Lord will you finance us as we step out God Lord as we give up time Lord I, I pray Lord God that we'd have more time than ever God Lord I pray Lord God as we Shift our eyes off us, Lord. Not like a baby, Lord, where it's all about us. As a young child, like it's all about us. As a teenager, it's maybe all about us. But as a grown-up adult, we can say it's all about you. And live our lives with a bit of a portion for you, Lord, I pray. So God, Lord, I pray for us this morning as we're sitting here, as we put our focus back on you, we'd realize, Lord God, there's a, there's a world out there that's dying. There's a world out there that's in pain.
And God, we have so much to offer. So much, Lord God. That we would realize, Lord God, Lord, that when we step out, Lord God, and we can see the miraculous in front of us. Our life becomes alive. We get to know, Lord God, Lord, that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is living inside of us. So God, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that you'd call us on mission this week, Lord, I pray. And each and every one of us will be willing to step out of our comfort zones, letting us know, Lord God, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to be available. And God, Lord, as we step out, you change us. And the things we thought were controlling us Maybe they won't control us any longer because we've given ourselves wholly and solely for you, Lord, and the mission that we're taking on. Oh, God, Lord, I pray in this moment, Lord, you'd speak to us individually. Speak to us, Lord, I pray, how we can go on mission. God, how we can live our lives, Lord, for you. Because, God, we only get to do this once. We only get to do this once on this earth, Lord, I pray, so each and every one of us would do it well. Pray and ask, Lord God, as we're sitting here in this prayer moment, that God, Lord, you'd put faces in front of our eyes, Lord, about people that we're speaking to. You put situations that we can change into our minds. I ask, Lord God, Lord, that you'd speak to us. And let us know, Lord God, that through you, Lord, all things are possible and we can be victorious in you. So God, Lord, I give myself to you. And I pray for each and every one of us this morning that we'd come to that place too where we can give ourselves to you, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a challenge. What a life to live. It is spectacular. It is spectacular when you give your life to God. It is spectacular when you put yourself in a place where He has to turn up. Oh, it is just good. Can I encourage you today, if you haven't done it, just do it. Go to the place, go and see that neighbor that's down the road that you haven't spoken to before and just speak to them. Tell them about God. 